Hey everybody and welcome to uh, this week's sort of film show with James and Ed, Crazy Rigs and The First Bat. And tonight we are going to watch and talk about The Last Starfighter. So Last Starfighter came out in uh, the mid 80s, sort of came out of nowhere really. I first saw it on VHS, uh, rental. Um, but it's it's just one of these films that I love to revisit. Um, the effects aren't quite as good as they once were, but at the time they were really cutting edge, lots of CG work. Um, but the story is really great, and as we'll go through the conversation, you'll find that there's a number of facts that um, have prevented there being sequels and reboots and all sorts of different sort of stuff. So that that's it for the intro. Um, Ed is here. Hello, Ed. Hello. And uh, without further ado, we'll uh, kick off the chat and kick off the movie. You were lucky. First time you saw this, VHS. First time I saw this, ITV. Really? Yes. You know, when they cut all the best bits out. Yeah. Because there's some... I know I just said it before, but... There were some really, really good sort of low budget teen films out and young adult films. Now, in the 80s, I was, well, I was 11 in 1988, so I wasn't very old. But this is a sort of film that came out on VHS and totally blew you away. You're like, how is this new not bigger? It was quite a few years after Star Wars. Um, had a young lead, but it also featured video games. Yeah, and it does contain one sci-fi classic actor. Will Wheaton is in this film. Is he? Yeah. Pre-fame, pre-Star Trek: The Next Generation. Will Wheaton. Yes. But post um, the Stephen King movie, he did. Oh. Stand by me, God Almighty, what a pause. Oh, yes. Dramatic pause there, for a fact. <laughs> very, very true. I mean, if they got the opportunity to, to properly HD up the graphics on this, I mean, we're watching um, the 25th anniversary Blu-ray. Love the premise of this film. Brilliant idea. Yeah, because I think the guy who wrote it, he got the idea when he was walking through a video game arcade. Okay. And he saw a kid playing playing one of the machines and he was just like, oh, you know what? I can make a good film. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so the premise is, as Ed said, it's a, a young kid stuck, going nowhere. He's just about ready to leave high school. Um, he ends up having to help around the family property, which is like a caravan park. Um, but he wants to go to college. Can't go. But he's become like this expert in this video game called The Last Starfighter, which turns out to be a training video. Training video, is it got right? Training experience. The thing you find about like these 80s movies as well, they are feel-good movies because I mean they're all close-knit communities. They've got yeah. great storylines, and they got crazy ladies. <laughs> You've got 
Flight the Navigator. Yeah. All sort of. Was it batteries not included around? Batteries not included. Yeah, I think that was eighty-seven. I think batteries not included. Whereas this is eighty-five, I think. Karate Kid, which we will do at some stage with the unageable um, Ralph Macho. I think he still looks exactly the same now. I swear that uh, Ed, as a kid, would definitely have been Lewis, the little brother who would go along and just wind the neighbours up. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing like winding up the neighbours. Don't think I'll be wearing that pink t-shirt that says Action Man on it, though. Was it pink? But I think it probably would have been red, but it's kind of faded. Because <laughs> I wanted to remake it, didn't I? But the um, the writer wasn't interested, or he's yeah. got his own ideas, and he's very, very strange, the sort of things he's suggesting. I think it's the thing, though. I mean, like for us, we've had conversations in the past. There's a lot of 80s movies which you should just leave alone. They're cult classics. This is, to me, a cult classic of a movie, but I think you would get away with updating it. Yeah. I don't know whether one of the plans is to make it into a TV series. I think it would do well as a TV series. Um, you can sort of spread it out. Skip to the end, spoiler alert. There is potential for it to have had a sequel, but unfortunately never quite materialised. Well, it's like you said, I mean, if <clears throat> they made it into a TV series, I mean, you have got the scope to expand it and expand the universe, the characters. I think there's a big opportunity at the moment because, you know, I'm a big comic book fan. I love superhero stuff, but I don't watch apart from the Netflix stuff, many of the TV series, because I find a 22 episode, 24 episode uh, season too much of a commitment to watch. Um, even on catch up, I probably would really struggle. I tried to watch Marvel's Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. It got a bit better, but I really struggled to enjoy it. Never got really into Arrow very much. I know The Flash is supposed to be better, but I've not really yeah. got into that. What a lot of the TV directors and producers are finding now, they are, although there are shows with 22, 24 episodes, they are starting to cut them back a bit. I mean, you've got, uh, I've just started watching The 100. Yeah. 16 episodes. Might still be a bit much, I've only just started watching it. You've got quite a few sci-fi channel shows, 13 episodes. If you've got something that's 13 episodes, you need to keep your story moving. Yeah. When you've got 22 episodes, you have to find some filler. And of course, people get bored. I mean, back in the day, um, we both really enjoyed Smallville. And the first sort of, up to about season five, were really, really good, very inventive. First season was very much Super, imagine Superman being in an X-Files and then as the series progressed it became much more of a continuing narrative 
but again it's it, 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 I mean it would have probably been renewed again if they wanted it to because it was so successful but you could tell they were seriously running out of ideas I think the thing you find as well in the sort of late 80s early 90s TV shows movies you could go and you could watch them and you wouldn't get people writing an after day full spoiler thing of what happened because I think that's the trouble with a lot of TV shows now because obviously they take longer to come to the UK some of them by the time you get it you already know what's happened and it and I think that's why sometimes the Netflix and the Amazon Prime TV series are better because they dump the whole season online exactly the same day you can watch it at your leisure and it doesn't get spoiled so apparently this is one of the first movies to do all its special effects excluding makeup and explosions on a computer Uh, all done on a Cray XMP computer as well a lot of people may or may not know the Cray supercomputer and that's maybe it's one of the precursors to that I'm pretty sure if uh, you and I are playing Xbox or PlayStation right now, the rest of uh, the neighbourhood would not come flooding into uh, my house right now, wanting to see one of us beat the high score. I mean, I don't know why they wouldn't be interested in seeing that, but... Especially the older generation, because there seems to be quite a lot of older people there. Oh, yes. Oh, even the pets are getting involved. Indeed. High fives. That would be slightly gutting because you've now beat the top score on the only arcade machine in probably 200 miles. I <laughs> had <laughs> well, a very short um, shooting time. I did the whole film in 40 days, which was really quick. What sort of budget did it have? Um, Budget-wise... It was $15 million. I suppose a lot of that went on the effects back then. I was just looking at another couple of facts here. Quite like this, quite like this fact. In 2007, a musical based on the movie was performed as part of New York Musical Theatre Festival. <laughs> Wicked. So apparently in 2009, it was announced that the long-awaited sequel titled Starfighter was going into production film will take place 25 years after the original film with Norman Snow confirmed to return Missouri. Uh, ultimately the sequel was never made it may have it would it may have followed a grown-up Lewis Rogan who misses his brother and is brought to Rylos to become a starfighter himself or it may have involved Alex and Maggie's Rylos born son or daughter who uh, sets out to settle the score with Zer when Alex is killed during a Kodan attack so the Kodan is is the empire basically in this particular so uh, in this particular film. So it's interesting as well, like a lot of um, good science fiction, it's based on some forms of fact. So in uh, World War Two, the French Air Force had a bomber Aimer as the aircraft commander. So they would be in a better position to direct the aircraft and the last starfighter with its um, gun star rather than the navigator, they are critical to the success of the 
of the mission. I think that's the thing with a lot of movies. If you've got some elements of true fact, helps with making it more believable. Yeah. Yeah, because I suppose the other sort of films that you'd automatically think of uh, like this would be like War Games, which perhaps we'll do in a future in a future show. But you've got sort of other films that sort of came at the time is Roger Corman's Battle Beyond the Stars. You've got uh, Dune, which is weird as hell. Uh, Enemy Mine, which is phenomenal. That's a no, really, really no. good film. Um, and perhaps we'll do that one. We tended to pick a lot of B-movies or films that are very cult classic. Apart from, if your weapon isn't a B-movie, it's, it's an A-movie. Um, but we'll try and sort of mix these up a little bit. The, one of my favourite camp films of all time, which we will definitely do in a future show, is Flash Gordon. <laughs> Um, then you've got stuff like Inner Space, Crawl. Oh, Crawl. Awesome. With the Glaive. <laughs> Which, what's that game where you had the Glaive um, on oh, Xbox 360? I remember that one. Um, ye... It's on tip of me, I can see it now. She's able to give it different sorts of like fire yeah. and ice power. Um, <clears throat> The other sort of films that I can see on here that are connected to this that I definitely would have seen on video, uh, Lady Hawk, yeah, which is a really good film, Michelle Pfeiffer and Dr. Hauer, and uh, Matthew Broderick, believe it or not, Starman, which we spoke about a little bit last week. Um, particularly in relation to John Carpenter Tron which always looked better I think even at the time I was never really a massive Tron fan I liked the idea of it more than the execution Beastmaster which according to the IMDB has a critic rating of 18 out of 100 18. Well, they made a TV series of Beastmaster. They've done all sorts. Well, some of the, some of the um, subsequent sequels, the uh, effects are hilarious. And yes, there's a speaker who's just watched a car doing 303. The Ice Pirates, which I kind of remember. I'm pretty sure I saw that on, D- on, video, on VHS and DVD these days. You've got Willow and then War Games as well, which is, is classic. This was Robert uh, Preston's last film as well. I think he died of cancer not long after he made this. Old Centauri. Next time. The car in this is based a little bit on the DeLorean, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, the effects still, it's almost there like they're pre-render now. They're just lacking that little bit of detail. 
bearing in mind that this film, sorry, I've got the year wrong, this film was made in 1984. So you're talking about a film that has effects light years ahead. But visually, colour-wise, it is stunning for the time. Oh, completely. That ain't gonna creep you out in any way. Definitely not. It's went just in, in 1990, Nez version of the uh, film was released called The Last Starfighter. But rather than being The Last Starfighter, instead it was uh, Iridium from the Commodore 64. It just re. re See, that's another thing, wouldn't you? It's like, it's like um, with Goonies, PG. You've just seen a kid here look at a Playboy magazine which you'd never, ever in a million years get anything like that appearing today. <laughs> no. Well, Atari who made the arcade machine um, couldn't produce it on a mass scale because in order to um, release it, each machine would have cost $10,000. Ouch. Some nice visual effects there as well. Yeah, I mean, the baiting is quite clever, so rather than Alex just disappearing and no one knows where he is, in the film what they do is they create something called the beta unit, which is a basically a, ro a robotic duplicate. Starts off being a faceless creature, faceless robot, robotic humanoid. And um, once he's made contact, or once the base unit makes contact with you, he's able to replicate you uh, exactly. Voice, hair, everything just takes a little bit of time. So if we look at the, the Gunstar, which is a nice looking spaceship, where does it fit for you in sort of sci-fi spaceships? What's your, what's your pinnacle? What's your, so let's look at top five, because it's easier, isn't it? Or top yeah. five or top ten. What's the starships that you would want to be able to fly? Well, top's got to be the Millennium Falcon. I think everybody would like to fly that. Welcome to Starfighter. As of a lot of the Star Wars fighters, because me and they're quite nice. But, um... William Truthfully as well. Drop ship from aliens. Nice. I reckon that'd be quality. Um, from the TV series, the original 80s TV series, Viper from Battlestar Galactica. Nice. Um, <clears throat> so that's three. Yeah. Obviously, you could say. Gunstar from this be up there. Um, not that the movie's, I mean, the movie's not out yet. Looking at the new Independence Day resurgence, the Earth based ships they've got in that look quite good. Yeah. Um, I mean, because the original alien ships aren't really what you classes sort of mini flying saucer yeah. aren't they and the ship from Spaceballs <laughs> that's a good one yeah with the sticker attached oh, yes. for nobody yes definitely 
What about you? Any any you add to that? Well, I, I think you've named some classics. Definitely. I think to add to that, I would definitely include the Starship Enterprise. Any any variant of it, no matter what, whether it's from the original series or all the way up to next generation versions of it. Um, I like the X-Wing, but I think if I was going to go for a Star Wars ship other than the Millennium Falcon, it's got to be a TIE fighter because they're badass. And I probably would go TIE Advance just because they've got that extra bit of sharpness and edge to them. Um, I would very merrily go on the ship from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. With its uh, with improbability drive, <laughs> the Serenity from Firefly. It's a cool looking little ship. It's a shame that we've got Cam. Yeah, way too early. I think the other one I would probably choose is I would go on a Battlestar because I think the Battlestars look amazing. I think them like the Star Trek ships. I like the way they move because it's it's similar to old um, naval ship battles. Yes. They're slow. They're cumbersome. They pack a lot of firepower and great defence. But the idea is they move in a certain way. They don't quite move around like the fighter planes that you get in uh, other films. So we've looked about ships. Let's think about some epic pilots from science fiction. Are you delirious? So we've got. You can automatically assume that Han Solo, Luke Skywalker. I'm not. Good, I'm going to say Darth Vader because I refuse to say the other name. Um, Boba Fett. Wedge Antilles, Lando Calrissian, Nyum Nyum, Chewbacca, those guys are in. We know about those guys. They're epic, they're highly skilled. And the new one, Poe Dameron. Poe Dameron, yeah. Who else have we got? Who else can we include? See, I mean, it's the... It's the thing, I mean, like like you said, from Battlestar Galactica, obviously Apollo and Starbuck. Yeah. I mean, you could go, you could go both new and old with those. They were great pilots. I think you've got Wash, haven't you, from Serenity and Firefly. Yeah. He's a great pilot. I mean, when you look, look at uh, some of them, the thing that you look at, I mean, for me, is some of, like, say, the epic battles that they've been in. Yeah. And, I mean, for me as well, I mean, it's going to sound bad, I mean, I can't remember many of the names, or any of the names, but some of the pilots from Space Above and Beyond TV series. A bit later on, TV series. Um, some of the pilots from Stargate when they started bringing the ships onto that. Yeah. I mean, another ship that we didn't mention before, which perhaps we should have done, 
type every game, find a kid, drag him up the there, and he doesn't want to be a starfighter. <laughs> I give up. So for a lot of people who don't know what the X-Bomber is, there's um marionation series from Japan called Starfleet. Uh, it's on, if you've got Amazon Prime, it's on Amazon Prime at the moment. And it's a phenomenally good show. It still stands up now. And the X-Bomber is a genius ship. Yeah. It's got loads and loads of really cool weapons. And best of all, it can create and does create a giant mech. Die-X. Die-X. Which, from my point of view... If you like Power Rangers, a lot of the Zords from Power Rangers, I believe, are based on Diex. I agree. I think massively influential over a load of stuff. So all your Gundams, all your uh, Voltron, which I spoke about in the other podcast recently, all that sort of stuff, definitely influenced by Diex. Zer is definitely like one of cinemas. Brilliant sci-fi baddies. Even on Rylos. You're right, crew. It does take more than a scepter. <laughs> he does. He has that sort of. Thing where you assume that he is a fool, but he is actually quite nuts. Yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, the thing is, you get. I mean, when you go up trying to think about ships and all sorts of things like that, because for us, a lot of the eighties is a pinnacle time for movies, comics, video games all sorts of things like that you do tend to forget more of the modern stuff even if you've seen it yesterday to you you'll go oh I remember that when I was a kid yeah I think that's one of the things I like about the Kodan Armada they've not got big laser weapons on their good ship they fire meteors actual physical rocks which is genius weapon system so if you actually think about it logically, is it actually quite ingenious because you could actually restock once you've used up all your meteors, you could just go around and collect other ones or even get some from asteroids and things like that, break some up and you've restocked yeah. your weapon. Ooh. Definitely not happy about that. Nope. The quality thing about this is obviously he's trying to fix his car. That looks like DeLorean, and oh. DeLoreans break down a lot, so yeah. it is accurate. Could have had a lift. Yeah, fix the car, leaves him behind. I know. I mean, what's really clever there is that there's been a, 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 a bounty to try and kill Alex to, so there's no more starfighters starfighters in the universe. And. The training Excalibur sort of McGuffin of the arcade machine has spotted the bouncy hunter and made him change from his 
human disguise back to his alien self. What the shit? I said back to sleep, Lewis, or I'm telling him about your playboys. I think I do like about this film. On, the youngest actor in it swears twice. Yeah. And no. I don't think anybody else swears in it. <laughs> no, it's just a little kid. What the shit? They're not completely original, but there's something different about them from everything else. But I, I, I think this would make a really good series because you can explore the Star League more, get a feel for the planets. <laughs> See, this is one of the things that when you actually think about it, <coughs> obviously they send a bounty hunter. But if they hadn't sent the bounty hunter, would he got would he have called Centauri back? Would yeah, that's he have a good question back? actually. He might not have done. Why would he? He wouldn't have needed to, would he? Nah. Look at that with the nail in it. It's gonna leave a mark. Certainly is. So rock beach scissors, two by four with nails, beach bounty hunter. Yeah. Well, alien bounty hunter. Definitely. But alien bounty hunter likes to drool everywhere. Come on, Alistair. I see what I It's got a really young Van Damme to do it. So then it could be another movie where Van Damme is Van Damme. Yeah. <laughs> so I find about these films as well, which is quite good for a lot of 80s films they brought in the fact that it's not all sunshine and rainbows bad things happen yeah to get an outcome i mean you look at it i mean you look at the empire strikes back you think ah rebels rebels are gonna win no rebels get their asses kicked and it's like this there's an element of threat and you get engrossed in the fact that you know they might not possibly Pull it off. Yeah, yeah, you're quite right. So, I mean, sometimes you find in films nowadays, because you look at it, and obviously you've got your main characters, and they're the heroes, and they keep, like we were saying, like some of the TV shows, they're up against impossible odds, but you know they're going to live. Yeah. And it takes some of that drama out of it because you're there thinking I ain't worried about him because I've seen the promo for the next one and I know he's in the next 10 episodes because I know he's not going to die now yeah <laughs> great comic humour yeah there's some good humour in there you're taking a lot on faith because you've only been told yeah that Zura is back. I mean, he might not be. He might be going out to wipe out there. No, exactly. I mean, it's quite clever as well that the bounty hunter could assume the identity of the police officer. Yeah, it is. Seems quite clever as well. The baby unit has. got his own identity and he doesn't particularly want to be no exactly <laughs> shot some at. personality in there yeah where would you put that up in the uh, top sci-fi films then being commander oh, I wouldn't <laughs> awesome take out all the enemies and one hit indeed she won't answer the help we're locked into the moon's gravitational pull what do we do 
That's a great line. Yes, but that's true badass. Yeah. I'm accepting the fact. You lost. You will stay, won't you? Oh, another guilt trip. I know. How to get things done in the 80s. Guilt trip. Sorry, I wrecked your truck. You can have my spaceship in return. Oh, like old Granny's got a shotgun. Hello. <laughs> can't believe it was a robot yet yeah, a spaceship's just landed. <laughs> yeah, no, can't believe it. Solid eight. Solid eight. Yeah. <clears throat> I agree. I think it's a good, it's a good film. It's an eight out of ten. Really easy watch. It's just over ninety minutes long, so it's a nice sort of length movie. I think what I enjoy about it is it's got a pace. Yeah. There's no stagnancy halfway through. The characters are built up through the story, yeah. not by telling massive amounts of, oh, I came from here, I did this. So, good film. Yeah. That brings uh, this particular film show to an end. And the other podcast will be recorded later this week, so keep your ears out for that. And uh, thank you, Ed. You're welcome. And uh, we'll speak to you all next week. Goodbye for now.